Hi, and welcome to Practical Reliability. I'm George Williams, CEO of Reliability X, and we are live at the 35th International Maintenance Conference, IMC 2021, here in Marco Island, Florida. My guest right now is none other than Chris Colson. Chris is the Executive Director of Strategic Accounts at Allied Reliability. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, George. Appreciate it. Great to be here. Awesome. So you have a long-standing history with Allied, and I know Allied has had um, acquisitions and fluctuations and partnerships and all kinds of this. Where Where's Allied at today? What's going on with Allied? For sure, yeah. So Allied, currently we, uh, I guess it would have been about three years ago, we partnered with a company out of uh, Houston, Texas, TF Hudgens. Mm. We pulled those two companies together, integrated, but really from the reliability side, the reliability services side, all we've done is really continue to expand our consulting and, and training delivery around asset management strategies and deploying the right kind of technologies or uh, operator care type tasks, PM tasks, those types of things to really help our customers. And so that hasn't changed over the course of the 16 years that I've been with Allied other than just continue to strengthen and bring in better uh, better skill sets and, and better tools to help address those those issues. And so what's the, so I've used Allied in the past, right? I mean, my, my, my background as practitioner, we brought you guys in to help us with some stuff that, that at previous companies. There's a, a, a very deep offering uh, that Allied has. So can you walk us through a little bit of what those look like? Yeah, for sure. So at its core, Allied started as, uh, as really a, a company that delivered condition-based monitoring technologies. That's, that's what we did from the very beginning. So when I started with them 16 years ago, we had just got our first contract to do consulting and training. And we were kind of drug into that a little bit, George. Our customers were saying, hey, it's really cool that you guys know how to do these programs, but We'd like somebody to train us how to do those, coach us on how to develop the right program. How do you implement that? How do you go about implementing it? Because we've got tons of equipment and we don't have all the money to be able to deploy every single strategy against that. So how do you guys make that decision? Could you train us how to do that? And then honestly get out of our way and let, we, let us do that, right? And so that's how our consulting services formed. Uh, and that's when, when we started branching into Really, okay, if, if I understand the, the total equipment that, that is in a facility, what needs to be maintained, how do you maintain it best, whether it's uh, a, a, an array of uh, predictive technologies, whether it's knowing if, I've, if I'm addressing it with this type of predictive technology, then here's all the operator care tasks that I also need to do, the PM optimization that goes along with those pieces. So that's still at play today. What we've really done over the course of the last uh, handful of years is with the digital transformation, that changes our business as well. We uh, we have a lot of uh, technicians that um, are and analysts that used to be in the field, uh, and they're looking for you know some sort of uh, career advancement, and also at a point in time where they're going to be retiring. Uh, lots of folks are having trouble staff people. Our customers are, and so are we. Yeah. Right. And so with when the technology became available and the cost was something that was um, it became very affordable and economical for organizations to put sensors in play. Then we needed to figure out how do we get a, how do we, uh, since we don't manufacture a sensor, how do we make our platform such that if, if that technology's there, if the sensor is capable, that we can pull that in and make it just part of our robust solution from a condition-based monitoring standpoint. And that's what we've done. We've redeveloped our entire platform. Uh, we're working with numerous different manufacturers so that regardless of what technology or who makes the equipment, we want open architecture. It's our customer's data, it's not our data, it's the customer's data. Make it available to them, 
Same with the manufacturers. Make that data available. We pull it in, we get it into one place, and then we publish that wherever the customer wants it. I think that's fantastic. You know, for so many years and early in my career as a practitioner, all of these softwares were proprietary things, right? Like, we're not going to mention other companies that start with the letter E or anything like yeah, that. Whatever. You couldn't get into that, you know, we, in any way, shape, or form, right? It's like, never mind. So anyway, and now with the advent of data historians and data lakes and, and the ability to dump all this data into a a normalized database structure, you can start pulling information out from many places and make that a part of your entire suite of offerings. That's right? right, that's right. And that's, you know, we have some customers that aren't ready to do all that on their own, and so they're just looking for somebody to stand up a program and start us where we are, right? Head us down that journey. Then we're also working with some customers that say, hey, we want you to take any of the learnings that you've done, anything that you've compiled, some of the analysis that you guys have done, uh, whether that's uh, the, our traditional analysis, where we have physical analysts that have you know level three, level four certifications, and they've done some of the prescriptive analytics behind it, or we pulled it into, and we've said now we we have the ability to help you narrow in on what the true failure mode is because of our vast array of, of, of knowledge in the field and our database, we're doing some of those things automatically now. And we're publishing that information to our clients so that they can take it into their data lake and combine it with any other data that they've got. And at the end of the day, all we want to do is be a medium to help them solve their reliability issues. We don't want to own that data, it's always been their data. Right, and, and so in addition to the solution piece, you guys still offer standardized consulting uh, we do. approaches we do. in terms of asset management? We abs absolutely do. We have, we've uh, got a number of, of different large customers that have come to us and said, hey, you know, we're really struggling with work execution management. We have, we, in, in kind of a bit of a surprise that there's still folks that are looking at planners <laughs> and schedulers, right? Yeah, yeah. But we're, we're working with those and we're helping them, uh, first of all, show the value of having work execution management within their facility because no matter how many technologies we put out there, all you do is flood the workload system. And if you don't do proper planning and scheduling, then you're not going to get anything anything better, right? Doesn't No technology is going to solve that or make it better. It's about right. executing something correctly. And you know that, you've, you've seen it, you've done it, right, George? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so we still do that today. We offer a full array of consulting services, whether it's helping people uh, understand the value of planning and scheduling, training their planners and schedulers. We also have some customers that have said, you know what, we'd like to do that in the future, but until then, we need somebody to staff, we need somebody to staff augment that. And right. we have a group that does that. We bring in, at sometimes, depending on how long the engagement is, we'll take one of our consultants, put them in that role, let them fill that, that, that seat for six months, 12 months. There's other times where the customer's like, you know what, we want you to staff it, maybe let us try it out. You guys coach them, you train them, and then in a year from now, we want to hire them as, as one of our employees. Oh, right, so we've right, got a group right, that right, does that right, from a right. recruiting and staffing standpoint. Well, that's a pretty unique perspective because then they get to kind of test drive the car, right? And that's if right. it's not the right car, they can say, hey, Chris, I need a different car, right? Like this that's one's right. not it. That's right. <laughs> and sometimes that happens, but also we go into those, um, those relationships knowing that if it's new to the organization, while we're going to put somebody in there that has some skill set, there's a lot of still learning that needs to happen. Right. There's a lot of them understanding your culture and then you as your culture's changing to adopt this new process, it's a learning process. So don't just try the car for a month. You've got to you've got to really work this, and, and it, that person becomes part of your team. Yeah, we help yeah. transition that. How do you um, uh, approach? So a lot of folks at a conference like this, they're you know at varying points in their journey, but so many of them are very. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but I saw a lot of new faces here. So I did too. Um, 
And so those folks are fairly early in their journey and they're looking at this massive mountain, right? And they're walking through these expos and they see, you know, whether it's shiny, fancy stuff or they see the consulting companies, there's lots of solution providers. When they approach you with like, like I don't know where to start and I don't know what I should use the consulting for versus what mm-hmm. I should be doing in-house because there's lots of ways to approach things. How do you help them figure that out? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I like, um, and, and almost every organization has them, right? You have like a maturity continuum, and and part of the part of the elements that, that the, the team here at Reliability Web and IMC, we've looked at, at the reliability elements that they use, right? And each one of those, you know, that um, some of those organizations that maybe they're just now getting started, they might score if you had a, a zero to ten scale, they might score one to two. They may be doing some things really good and score seven or eight in some of the areas. Right, so what we would try to look at is look at the big picture, right? Where do we stand overall across all of those? And then where are the quick wins that you can get without even really reaching up? You bend over, pick up some of those, right? And then you put the business case around all the other elements. But um, for us, we look at people and processes first. Again, no matter, you know, no matter what technology you try to solve it with, whether it's a software package or a sensor, if you don't address the people side first, then you're, you're going to fail. Yeah, like all yeah. initiatives. Well, what's 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 the numbers? Right? 70, 70 70 percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They fail if we don't address the people. And, and so, um, we're gonna we're gonna look at that first and foremost, along with the maturity side of it, and build a business case around what what makes sense to go after first, right? Yeah, yeah. And you have to. We have seen this, and I'm sure you have too. You get a, you get started. You get the business case. You get the support. And then you get in and three, four months later, that business changes, the organizational demands change, and you, have to, you may have to pivot what you're supporting, right? Yeah, no doubt. And one of the, one of the uh, really cool implementations that I got to be a part of over the last four years with a customer up in Canada, um, we, had, we had to build a, a very robust business case, and it was one of our larger consulting deals that we have, we've done. Uh, we had around 18 people full-time on this project for the last four and a half years. And uh, part of what we were doing was helping them put in planners and schedulers, that whole work execution management piece. They had never really focused on that before. And um, they, they had a business demand change that we were six months in and we noticed, hey, we're, while that's super important, if we don't address this issue over here and shift our focus, then we're going we're gonna to lose sight of a huge opportunity. That opportunity we were able to capitalize and in 18 months, we turned around about $500 million worth of savings that they attributed that pivot to. to right, be right, right. And it really paid for the entire initiative. It, well, it actually blew up our business case. Yeah, it's, right. well, it shows a and focus a on your customer, right? Which is exactly what you're in business for, That's right? right. And, and folks tend to maybe not realize that, but um, you're here to, to expand, expand knowledge, give, give an education, train, coach people. And if they need help with with specifics, we'll help with specifics. If uh, you know, and then let's you know, when you're advanced, let's get into the solutions and really, really tighten things up. And that's, that, right. that's awesome. And, and I get a, you know, when you look at this, so there's a lot of really good companies here, right? And and I'm a firm believer. While we all try to support, um, you know, we've got our core competency of what we really know and right, and the expertise that we bring into our organization. But I, I know that there's there's no one company that does all of that. Yeah, so yeah. So if, yeah. if you truly want to do your customers a service, you're going to listen, you're going to see, and you're going to make connections to where you can pull in other people. Yeah, I really yeah. think it's a combination of and not, you know, uh, one or the other. Yeah, and I think that's that's also good advice for people that are listening. Don't think you have to be 
quote unquote in bed with one one organization. Right. You can piecemeal what makes sense based on their area of expertise. That's that's great. So when when all right, so somebody somebody needs the start and they they're going down their journey and they need some assistance. I, the what I loved about what you said was the low hanging fruit piece because there are there are <laughs> canned recipes that exist out there. And they say, okay, here's your checklist. Go down the checklist, right? And they're, what do I own? How critical is it? You know, all these things. Meanwhile, you're bleeding something out of the back, and you're trying to develop an asset hierarchy. Like it, that doesn't make no sense whatsoever when you're gushing blood, right? So, so I, I love that your approach is, you know, find the low-hanging fruit. How, how do people evaluate? Um, the areas of expertise for these groups so that they don't necessarily get pinched into a canned recipe approach. Yeah, so um, for me, it's, it's, um, it, it is, has been really um, asking questions and then looking for what's being, uh, what's being prescribed or laid out. And, and so, again, let me, let me walk through that, right? So um, I, I chuckled when you <laughs> on what you picked from an asset hierarchy standpoint, right? Because, um, I, I don't remember the year, but I'm gonna say it was at least 10 to 12 years ago. Um, we were engaged with a particular client. They had a specific need. They had lots of opportunities. Um, we started down what I would say kind of that traditional, well, you gotta understand your assets. You need to build out a, a hierarchy, ISO 14224, blah, blah, and, you know, and then you've gotta do asset criticality, and you, then you gotta understand all your failure modes, yeah. so you're going, right? Big, large, large place, large, uh, large site. And um, we probably spent, and um, I don't know, I'll use rough terms, we spent nine months walking down all the equipment, building out a really nice hierarchy. And in the meantime, we weren't really executing on some of the other pieces. And so what we did, we really, we narrowly focused on, here's a prescribed method of how you get to, a, you're never gonna get to perfect, right? Right. And, you're, and if you're not addressing immediately in any business case that you've laid out or, or, or any project plan that you've laid out with a customer, three or four of those things that they're gonna see immediate value, they're gonna see benefit. And, and Ideally, everybody likes to see benefit that, that's going to uh, turn to profits, right? Or up, uptime or availability, yeah. something along that nature. And I would encourage you look for those, but there's also some other benefits. You've got to align those benefits and you've got to have some of those that show you're going to see this in two months. You're going to see this one in six months. And here are the interdependencies between all of the other activities. Doesn't mean we don't continue that work, but if you don't supplement that with some immediate pay it forward type events or activities, I'd shy away from it. And you Anybody see a lot of people's efforts die because of that, right? right? So because they didn't immediately show value back to the business, it's hard to cost justify the next thing because yeah. you're taking too long to return on the investment. That's right. So folks have to be able to balance, you know, what are the quick wins I can do with what's the long, what's the foundational stuff that I know is going to take a long time. Exactly right. Uh, and that's good. So I, you know, was that, uh, you know, not to infer anything, but was that like a learning thing? Absolutely. Learning, a learning yeah. thing for the organization, right? And we did shift and pivot. We just didn't do it quick enough, right? And in right. my opinion, while we while we helped that customer and we turned some, it just it took too long. And then ultimately, in my mind, I feel like anything that takes that long, you lose some buy-in. Right? It may not have been buy-in yeah. that that ultimately impacted their ability to get to an end state that they wanted, 
but I know that there were some executives, some senior leadership team that ended up turning their focus somewhere else. Right. And it could have been way more value driven to the organization had we been a little quicker in, in making those. Yeah. So it was a lesson that we've learned from. We've pulled that forward and, and uh, there's a huge focus within Adelaide. Anytime we're engaging with customers, we're looking for what are the benefits? How do we track those benefits? How do we get those in front? And more importantly, how do we ensure that those are occurring month over month over month and we see them early? Right, right. All right, let's flip the coin the other way. So the potential client comes, they're engaging you and you're saying, you know, let's listen to your goals. Here's some quick wins. Here's what we need. And they go, Chris, I don't care. I just want you to do this. And mm -hmm. you can see it's the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. How do you address that? Well, George, um, <laughs> I personally address it and, and you know, every, every company uh, does this a little differently. Uh, so many times we get focused on, um, we get focused on profits, right? And we do it as service companies. Yeah, yeah. We look at profits uh, and we, we try to figure out how can we become profitable and we don't necessarily, we're not necessarily driven by purpose, right? And so uh, it, it's the culture of the organization. There's been times where we've had to walk away from potential opportunities because we knew that, hey, you know what? We're gonna, we're gonna tell you why, and if we can't convince you on the why, and all of the things that are gonna be negative, it's gonna give us negative press as well because trust me, this is going to happen to you because you're trying to shortcut some of the process. So there's been times where we've had to walk away from the business, and sometimes those are really big deals. But that's I won't an tell admirable you that that's thing. happened all the time. Yeah, 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 but that's but an it, admirable thing because yeah. Well, quite frankly, the customer's not always right in this arena because they right. can absolutely make massive mistakes that that significantly derail their program. And they come here and they learn a lot of yep. things and, and you want them to implement those things. Uh, but in some cases, there are some predecessors. And in some cases, when you're hemorrhaging waste out the back end of the plant, focusing on you know a specific entity and I'm not going to be specific is 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 maybe not the right thing to do so I think it's fantastic that you that you give them that advice all right so for the person that wants to know more about allied reliability what do they do yeah so if you want to know more about allied reliability you can obviously go to our website alliedreliability.com uh, we're on Twitter we've got a feed there um, also on Facebook uh, we're, we're very active in a number of different forums, whether, we're, whether it's the AMP forum. Um, you're going to find us on the maintenance community, uh, trying to engage as well. You can reach out, look, look me up on LinkedIn. I'm always looking to have conversation, and it doesn't have to be, hey, uh, at the end of this conversation, he's going to hit me up for something, right? No, absolutely not. We're a huge community. We love to learn from each other, and uh, sometimes that turns into a long-term relationship that eventually it makes both both uh, companies and both entities, uh, you know, profitable in, in ways in what they're trying to accomplish. So, I uh, encourage you to, to look us up in that way. Uh, one of the things we've not talked about, we're going to have to do this at another time. I'm very, very passionate about the ESG side, right? And I don't think we've made all the links and connected the links from, from an environmental, social, and governance perspective, right? Lots of companies. Uh, the Fortune 500, I'm going to leave you a little tidbit, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I'm, I'm the, all for let's have a second uh, episode of this. Let's do it, man. So uh, almost every one of the Fortune uh, 500 companies have made commitments and they've set a plan from an ESG, right? They've done that less than 15% of them actually have a plan to do that. In 2020, Microsoft became the most aggressive when it came to, to how they were going to address, you know, we've talked about sustainability. I love the consortium that they've put together here on sustainability. Sustainability is about getting to zero, but being a company that gives back more than they take 
That's what we need. Sci you're a man of science. Yeah, I yeah. know that, right? We believe in science. Right. Science tells us that we are living on a world that we've already used up more resources than what's, what's left and what's ahead of us, right? You can't continue to try to drive towards profits using up all of your resources. That's not healthy and it right. won't last forever. And so right. Microsoft made the most aggressive ever and they said in, by 2030, 2030, they'd, they'd be at net positive. That means giving back more Right? Then they're taking out for their normal processes and, and that's all the way down the supply chain. That's right. not just within their own operation, but that's the entire supply chain. Right. Which by the way, is 70% of most organizations. Carbon, carbon emissions comes from their supply chain, not within their manufacturing environment, right? Right, right. So Microsoft then said by 2050, and here's the, here's the most intriguing part that I think about this. They said by 2050, they would capture back from day one, all of the carbon emission that they've ever had ever. as an organization. In the history. In the history. Wow. Right? So they're in some really cool stuff. That's a company that's being courageous. I'd also tell you, read the new book by uh, Paul Polson, who, who, who was the uh, CEO of Unilever, yeah. not anymore, former. And then uh, Andrew Winston, they wrote a, a book called Net Positive. Great book, and I think it really ties in. And, and as a maintenance organization, we've got to do a better job of linking when we don't focus on executing the right work at the right time, it's not just that the equipment fails and that we lose availability. We're using up more resources. We're creating the unhealthy world that we're living in. So I think we've got to focus a little bit more on it. Love to have another conversation. Let's do it sometime. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And, and I think one of the things that folks should understand is those organizations have a team of people responsible for achieving those goals. Go partner with those folks and figure out how what you're doing helps support their efforts because that's another way to justify your program. Exactly. exactly <clears throat> All right, man. that sounds like a phenomenal conversation that we're going to have in a very near future, Chris. All right. Um, so for now though, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on Practical Reliability. Thanks for having me. I've, I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much. We'll do it again sometime. Awesome. So for Chris Colson, I'm George Williams. Go make tomorrow better than today. The Certified Maintenance Manager Workshop is a groundbreaking course that will transition the way you think about asset management. This course is constructed of 18 modules aligned with the skills required to become a certified maintenance manager. You will leave this session with a clear understanding of how to align with operational expectations and attain the stability and control that is required to enable maintenance. This advanced workshop is designed for any team and or individual who is a stakeholder in the management of maintenance. This series of 18 sessions will alter our perspective on what it takes to manage maintenance and deliver the aim of our organization. The knowing of the CMM is aligned with Uptime Elements Framework for Asset Management. For more information, including dates and locations, including virtual offerings, go to www.reliabilityweb.com events and click on the Certified Maintenance Manager icon.